0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, welcome everybody to the Sports Biz Pod. We have another amazing interview guest today. And if you're a fan of football, soccer, um, international um, OTT innovation. We have a great guest. We have Jill Moss, who is the president of video experiences at Delta Terra. And he's currently based in Switzerland, but has strong roots across Europe and in the football business and uh, very innovative, very well-spoken amongst various different topics in, in sports and technology. But Jill, great to have you.
1: Nice nice to meet you all and nice to meet you Nick just to correct you it's delta 3 it's pronounced delta 3 I, know I, it's <laughs> I I tried to practice it last night a few times
0: and I knew I was going to mess it up so my apologies in advance no, uh, but
1: apologies accepted
0: but um how, how's everything going just first starting off how's how's uh 2020 been treating you so far
1: all Right, 2020's been uh, quite a technical year let's put it that way i mean uh, we are facing the same uh, pandemic as you you guys are which is obviously a uh, Bringing a certain level of stress on the business and especially on sports, so that's uh, that's a situation we have to manage. But I think uh, on the digital side, we're pretty happy uh, uh, on how this has been uh, handled on our side, obviously, and as well, it's been pushing a lot of innovation that we were looking for. It's been pushing a lot of uh, activities on the digital front, on the OTT front. So I think you know we have to make the best of the situation, but uh, it, it, it's it's a it's a transformation that. We were looking forward and that actually is, actually, is, is happening in, in real time. So I think we, we have some satisfaction here, even if obviously uh, we all have to, to to bear with being remote. And there's the social awkwardness of not being able to connect with your colleagues and so on that we're all experiencing. So that, that's yeah. the, less glory, yeah, the the less fun part, I would say.
0: Yeah, it's 2020 is interesting. It's, it's not just affected one subsect, it's just globally. So we're all kind of in this together, which is kind of uniting in a way. But um, before we kind of talk about some of that innovation that you briefly mentioned, let's let's kind of rewind a little bit. Um, talk about kind of how you got started into, you know, the sports and entertainment industry. Like what, what got you fascinated about that and wanting to, to work into it? And what are some of the early kind of jobs that you perhaps had?
1: Yeah, so look, I've been uh, I've been twenty years now in the twenty uh, even more in the sport tech and entertainment industry. Uh, I would say that you know I, I was uh, I, I'm an engineer to start with, uh, uh, you know, a computer engineer. I would say a developer, and uh, out of luck, out of a bet with some mates, I ended up answering uh, 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 you know a, a job offer uh, in UEFA. So, uh, working for uh, the biggest European. Uh, uh, Soccer Federation, uh, and ended up, uh, you know, getting a job over there. And that was my first, I, I actually it wasn't my first job, but that's how I connected to to sport. And then I, I went for a long ride over there uh, for a good 10 years uh, in UEFA, where uh, I mostly was looking, supervising, heading the, the all their digital activities. So considering the period, it was a, quite an interesting ride because, you know, Internet was there, the websites were there, then we moved to mobile, then we moved to video streaming, then we moved to OTT. So I could lead that transformation from within a sport organization and understand the sort of dynamics that you were facing when, when, in, when in such a situation. I did 10 years over there, and then uh, I decided to, you know, to launch my own business. Uh, so I left, I created a, a, a startup company, uh, in the social networking space uh, around mobile, with a concept that we thought at the time was good, we managed to get some funding. We burnt out cash. We tried to get further funding. It didn't work out. So that was for my entrepreneur direct experience. It was a very rich experience over two years, especially because we were hunting for funding in the U.S. and Canada. So that's how you know I dive into into your lands. And after that, you know, I said, okay, it's not working. This is where I, I, I had the opportunity to, to, to join Delta Tre. It's been now eight years, more or less, I'm over there. And uh, where I was supervising first uh, so the soccer business or the football business, sorry, we might get confused during that podcast, but it's football for me, yeah. uh, the football business for some years and then look, supervising a broad range of offerings towards our clients. And mainly focus on sport organization and broadcasters, and then little by little I, I, I moved towards uh, the OTT, uh, the Ott division, which is the biggest one now in delta as well five hundred and fifty uh, uh, staff and now i 'm supervising sport entertainment ott activities, and we decided to rename that the video experience unit so just to, to, to make it brief yeah, that 's amazing
0: so so um what kind of was drawing you to sport? Like, what was the, you know, emotional draw or what was like the kind of aspect of like why you wanted to work there in the first place?
1: Look, honestly, at first, as I said, it was a bet with some mates uh, that thought that they could have the job and that I couldn't because I was not so, so uh, um, gifted in terms of football knowledge. Mm-hmm. But that was a long time ago. And whether, whether I liked it or not at the time, I've been naturally exposed through my career now to an immense uh, uh, level of know-how on that specific sport. I was, as I said, I was organizing it when I was in UEFA, I was running it digitally. Then when I moved to Delta Three, I was powering the World Cups, the Bundesliga, the Premier League, all of them, and either, you know, powering the sport or distributing the sport through OTT platform. So now, if I have to make a synthesis of what is it I like, technically, it is I think the, the, the nature of how that business got organized. Uh, you have fans on one hand, you have governing bodies organizing sports, and of course, you know, the, the energy of the fan is something that we all love. But what behind the scenes, what I think is more fascinating, is you have very dynamic markets evolving at a you know brilliant speed, with as well market dynamics that are always pushing for further innovations. So it means that you have to react quickly, whether you're on a broadcaster side or a governing body side, you, ha- you want to make sure you capture your fans and they remain sticky and you retain them. And I think that it became even more interesting for me because when the social networks happened, they started to have competition to the broadcasters and mm-hmm. people had to fight for even more attention. Uh, and I think so those dynamics, that business ecosystem, the way it's moving, the funding of that, allowing a lot of innovation to bring forward and everyone competing to get the eyeballs is, I think, what, uh, what is the most interesting bit to me. Now, interestingly, that's true for soccer slash football, but actually that's true for any sport. So mm-hmm. when I started to move to other sports as part of my career, where you realize that, you know, what you can find in soccer, you can find in golf, in American football, in tennis, in whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And all the dynamics are always the same. So I think that, that that's definitely something that's super interesting for me.
0: Yeah, no, that's, uh, I agree with that. What was the playbook before 2020 about, you know, innovation, how you, how the company was growing and then kind of obviously everything that recently happened, how has that shifted the game plan at all with you, you know, with your company internally, um, just for how you innovate, how you grow or, or the approach of, you know, capturing fans' attentions? How has that changed?
1: Yeah. So just to answer that, uh, uh Let's say first that Delta 3 has a very wide range of offerings okay, mm-hmm. in the sport and entertainment world. Let's say if I just zoom on sport, we are a product company, we are a solution company, and we are a service company. Okay? And that's for the biggest sport properties uh, in the world in reality. So I'm saying that because the nature of the COVID impact is, is, on our side will be very much dependent on which vertical we are looking at. okay. Where are you sitting on the sport governing body and how they are reacting and how it's impacting us, or in sitting on the broadcaster side, and what is the nature of the challenge you're facing? All that being said, I think that what we saw, and I mean, we are working on innovation on many, many fields, but we saw an acceleration of the need of, let's call it, remotization mm-hmm. of your sport operation. Obviously, the COVID constraints, you know. Uh, people were talking about remote production, centralized production for years, and some people were experimenting It. no one wanted to, you know, to to jump and, uh, and do it. Well, now all this has accelerated clearly. Another thing is we are heavily investing into data and, you know, data intelligence into Delta 3. where data, when you have less footage, data is a big contributor to the narratives towards the fans. So we see here as well an uptake in terms of machine learning data, uh, based products, I think you you see more appeal now for for those than you had before. It's surprisingly you could even uh, uh, we saw a case uh, with the with the Bundesliga where actually data collection was used, the one we're operating, to monitor if some players had been exposed more than x number of minutes to you know to another contaminated player. So there, there was even a health you know angle to it, and we could track actually who is at risk or not. And then obviously the big chunk as well is uh, is uh, is on the digital side, on the OTT side, where you had a big boom of uh, video consumption, okay, and therefore services linked to that. But you saw as well the, the new Zoom, new okay. culture rolling out. So while I'm zooming all day, why can't I zoom with my mates when I'm watching a game? Huh? And, uh, yeah. What do we take? So you saw that coming. Now is that a gimmick for now? Maybe, maybe not. Will it, will it stay in that? shape going further not convinced but we saw that it's time now to bring you know socializing experience with your with your with your friends around a digital experience Mm -hmm. is something that has a value and people have been experimenting and we've been experimenting and showcasing that uh, with our clients so as i said it's mostly about acceleration Mm
0: -hmm.
1: more than new things coming in acceleration of things we're working on but now that have certain resonance on the market and I think that's the biggest transformation uh, I saw.
0: Yeah, you mentioned something really interesting with uh, the kind of community aspect and socialization of it. Um, obviously, like nothing is better than being inside the stadium with your friends or your mates watching a game. But for right now, I mean, the Zoom parties are somewhat maybe a trend. But what are your thoughts on um, virtual reality, augmented reality, and is that as an experience to kind of? you know, watch a game, even through OTT. I think that's a way to yeah. distribute it. Um, h- what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, so I have two thoughts. First of all, uh, we, we, we've been doing a virtual reality production and distribution in Delta 3 since uh, 2015, mm-hmm. on so, so Champions League actually. So we, we got a good view on what are the limits of the current technology, you know, and in terms of providing you a really immersive experience. Then, Another consideration is the, you're right, we all tend to think that socially speaking, it's really fun to watch a game with your mates at the stadium. But I've seen thousands of games because of my experience and jobs. In reality, yes, socially, it's really nice. But in terms of what you get out of the game is far better on TV. Simple Mm -hmm. paradigm, which is when you have 25 cameras shooting a sports event, Well, you have angles you would never see if you're at the stadium, obviously. Mm -hmm. And you have the data narrative that comes in and on. So the point is, how do you bridge the two? How can you have a very advanced consumption experience providing you the best production paradigm, as well as an immersive experience that is Mm -hmm. touching to some of the fundamentals you see at the stadium? Now we experience virtual reality. I don't think virtual reality is there yet. maybe we will get there, but the cost of production, the cost of deployment, and what you get as an output is underwhelming, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Uh, augmented reality, I think, is just an additional way to consume the content. I think that this, I think it's very exciting, but same thing, it's exciting as an enrichment of your sport experience. It doesn't bring the social socialization really angle into it. Yeah, you could imagine that you have clever avatar displays in your AR experience, but in reality, the best socializing experiences, either you're with your mates physically, or you chat with your mates, or you're with your mates in a virtual chat that has mm-hmm. videos, or you have an audio chat, but you need that live connection to humans that is complementing an advanced video experience that you're having at home. And I think it's that combination of the two that actually can lead you to Something that is immersive enough, where you get the the best of the two worlds. Uh, that's my uh, my my view, and that's why in Delta Three we are looking at really the 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 the, the, the fan experience is very central to how we bring uh, our, our products to life, our project to life. So, you know, we have a, we have the Diva player that is a super advanced video player that have a lot of building capacities to provide you a very rich experience. We are adding to that via partnerships, internal developments, you know, some augmentation with gamification, with, you know, more social interaction. So we're trying to cover that space where I can engage with my mates in order to uh, have a, you know, to share the golden moments around the digital experience. That's what we're looking at. Mm -hmm. Why not tomorrow betting? You know, Mm -hmm. it's a very easy one uh, to to go for, excluding uh, legal implications of going to betting. But technically, well, if I can share an experience with my mates over a digital experience, at some point, I might want to challenge them and to bet, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's the next thing It's part of the gamification of the experience. So that's what we're, that's where we're looking. Uh, But fundamentally, there's another important point is that you're going to compete, whatever experience you're building, you're competing with a lot of guys Mm -hmm. out there, and more and more of them. So how do you differentiate yourself? so that however compelling the experience you're providing, people get still, uh, uh, you know, still use your service. This leads us to look at, obviously, trying to have more content, more personalized content, because that's Mm -hmm. part of what the digital paradigm is bringing to you. So it means more content production and a different type of content production on the governing body side. And then of course, it's more interaction with that content. On the, the the end user, con, the consumer side of it, so all this content, interactions, stickiness of the experience, this is all blending into the, the fun experience, and that's where we're putting our bets in terms of going further.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I gr- I agree with that. With the um, especially with the VR side, the tech's not there, distribution not, is not there, but it, it will, um, and I'm excited to see what it what the end product will look like in maybe five years. But sports betting. Um, I'm a big fan of it. I'm, I, I bet myself, personally, I've worked in sports betting. Um, the United States is finally getting up to, I think, European standards of, um, let's say, getting a sports book into the stadium. Um, just the, the kind of the culture that we have the technology, we have the kind of the market to make it happen. And we're, you're seeing that with you know, states like New Jersey, Nevada, um, I think Colorado as well. It's coming up. How, how do you think sports betting is kind of going to be implemented into the actual live stream production? Because right now you see, you know, if we're looking at the NFL, the number one sport in I think, the world, in some cases in the U S um, they're, they're kind of hesitant to mention sports betting lines um, and kind of really face that not necessarily a problem, but face that head on. So how do you, how do you think sports betting is going to be implemented into the, the production um, from like an OTT perspective?
1: Yeah, it's a complex one because I think that, uh, I don't think today that uh, the technology is, the, you know, is limiting the, the deployment of, of betting experience. Mm-hmm. The way I see it, at least in Europe, is you know the current rights, the way they are crafted, the way they are sold, and how you know the broadcaster's interest is protected, as we are selling rights in a bundle fashion to them. This is why it is creating uh, more or less the problem for betting. So it means you need a market evolution, at least for Europe or a sports organization, so that you know, they open up a bit, they take some risk to allow that to, to happen. Uh, I know that US you're definitely you know, on the forefront on the betting side, you're far more aggressive than we are in Europe. In Europe, you know, the betting is heavily regulated. Okay. Uh, and th- the problem is you have to wait cycles. So the way the rights are sold by an organization to, you know, whoever is buying them is three, four years. So you have to wait the end of a cycle mm-hmm. to be able to open up. Now, the problem that we saw, to be honest, with digital, and now you will see with betting is that, okay, so you reach the end of a cycle, you're ready to open up. But then some people, CFOs are coming and saying, well, guys, are you sure that by reducing that amount of rights you're giving to a broadcaster, you're going to generate the equivalent in terms of money with whatever innovation you bring to the table. And this is why it takes. (laughs) Uh, uh, It takes quite some courage to actually demonstrate the case and say, yeah, actually I can generate that amount or even more. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think in the U S you were more successful because your rights were more, were packaged differently to start with. We are coming from a certain legacy in Europe in the way rights were packaged. And to be honest, they follow a model that was created maybe 20 years ago. So I think it's going to take more time for this to open up. But it's not a tech problem. The tech is there. Yeah, it's not a production problem. The production can be set up. It's more, you need to loosen up a bit the constraints on the right side. That, that, that's my view, at least for him. But yeah, we're pushing. Okay. We're pushing big time. We are tech vendors. So we're pushing, but we, we see what the, the objections we're facing.
0: Yeah. It's, it, that's interesting. I never really thought about it. Look with, you know, it's sometimes maybe three to five years for the you know contract to end. And then that's when you can restart negotiating. But with some of these companies here in the U S like at least this past week and every week, at least for the past couple of months, it's been back to back. You have Michael Jordan joining DraftKings yesterday. Jamie Fox was um, the face of BetMGM. MGM. Um, if you look at all their stocks on, on the stock market, they're all soaring right now. So it, it's um, it's happening. It's just, um, you know, figure out the right way to distribute it, that, that kind of appeals. And also, you know, there is gambling problems out there too. So it's, you know, you have to kind of, you know, regulate that side of it, but, um, sports betting, I think is a, you know, obviously a great way to kind of bring people together. You know, what, um, another kind of interesting topic where you have artificial intelligence, VR sports betting, we already talked about that. Another hot topic is esports. Um, has that been a conversation that you, you all have been having internally and how are you kind of addressing that? Because, you know, there's a lot of live stream production that's going into esports already. And then, you know, obviously TV deals are already happening, but are going to continue to improve. But what's the kind of conversations you all are having about that?
1: It's uh, an interesting one because uh, uh, it depends how you look at esports. <laughs> uh, if you consider that it's sports, then us, we have naturally a certain level of response to those needs but you could consider that the way e is materializing at the audience level is more entertainment mm-hmm. and technically you take an ent- entertainment hat to look at it. So with those, with those you know, those separation in mind, I would say, yes, we are, we are looking as we speak on whatever data graphic production, studio production paradigm we deploy for the world cup for, you know, for the tennis, for whatever properties we have right now, how could those fit into an esport world? And I think we're approaching, as we speak, uh, well, to be honest, the pandemic uh, has slowed down some of the conversations, but we were approaching, as we speak, actually big American players to say, look, we can boost your production paradigm to have an even richer experience, entertainment experience, sport experience. But on the other side, we were looking at, you know, on the, on, on the receiving end, well, As a fan, I'm watching an entertainment experience. I'm excluding gaming itself. So, Mm -hmm. you know, playing within the competition of eSports. I'm a fan. I'm I'm watching an entertainment experience, but it has a lot of digital component to it because Mm -hmm. it's a game I'm watching. You know, it's people playing a game. So here we go back to what I was saying before, you know, the the video player experience and how immersive it gets is the key to to nail it down. So I think we, we are approaching the two. What we're realizing is that we already on the tech side, but some people have moved first uh, with paradigms that are maybe more separated than the one that, are, that I've just mentioned. So our idea is to say, you know, why don't we bring them together? You go and see someone that owns a league, an e-sport. you can say, you know, from production to your end user experience and how you serve your broadcasters, we can, you know, we can provide you actually an advanced experience mm-hmm. that is corresponding to the nature of the sport. I'm a gamer myself. Huh? I, I play games. What's I'm your name? Well, choice. I play more, I, I play more you know, uh, role-playing games. Huh? Okay. That, that's where I'm coming from. So, or or, or you know, adventure games and, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, stealth games. So I'm not so much into eSport. But I have to say I've always loved and talking about virtual reality, you know, doing the connection. I launched the virtual reality arm in Delta 3 because I, I was fantasizing what virtual virtual reality would be for me as a gamer. Mm -hmm. You know, putting my headset and saying to my mates, hey guys, let's meet in the in the tavern and let's go and slaughter a a dragon. (laughs) Whatever whatever it would be. So I say, look, I have been waiting decades for that. Can it happen? Now, esport brings the coolness of the gaming, but right now is still delivered as if you ask me. entertainment content as we were producing it for the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. So I think it's time now considering it, that the audiences are definitely much younger to flip around and whoever is gonna innovate on that side will probably uh, uh, you know, make a lot of business. That yep. editorial review of the concept of eSport, how you consume it is essential for me to the business success of, uh, of whatever we would deploy.
0: Yeah, yeah, and something that's interesting to matching especially with, Esports, it's uh the rights are completely different. Where you have the game of football, soccer, um nobody owns that outright. Anybody can start their own soccer league. It's gonna be difficult to compete with the NFL, uh, but you saw the XFL do something like that. But with esports, you know, take a League of Legends that's owned and operated by Riot Games. Nobody can license. Nobody can operate that game or put on a tournament without their, you know, license or disgress. So the, the rights are completely different. and It's a different paradigm. And then even from the collegiate level, you're able to really have a collegiate gamer and they're almost a professional and monetize on that. But if you have a professional soccer, football, basketball player in the U S they're they're pretty much stripped from all their rights to monetize on their name, image, and likeness. So it's a it's interesting, and we're still kind of uncovering it. But um, esports is definitely I think here to stay. Um, another uh, maybe something to kind of wrap things up, up with like anything that you're looking forward to like in the next five or ten years. Obviously with hopefully 2020 we're getting through this together hopefully we can all kind of survive through this, this craziness, but, you know, looking down the line, what's something that you're really excited about from an innovative perspective or some type of bold prediction that you have just for, it can be any direction that you want to take it, but just something um, innovative in in the the world of sports.
1: Well, to stay in topic with, uh, with the e-sport and the fact that I'm a gamer, I think that in the next five years I could finally have the experience that I was, uh, Fantasizing about with my mates, which is to say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm playing, I'm watching the, the World Cup, let's say the World Cup or the Super Bowl. And then, uh, you know, my, 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 my mates or myself are commenting on how catastrophic that action was. And my system would be able to say, well, I dare you to try to make a better move than this one. <laughs> and then I could switch to using data using immersion technology, I could switch to a rendered version of exactly that moment in the game where I was loudly saying, how did you do, how did you miss that goal? And try to replay it myself. So to bring in that world, you know, in my reality, a continuity between what is happening on a live sport coverage and how in my fantasized brain with my mates, I am living it and trying to interact with this. You see, Mm -hmm. so I would, it's something that when I was in UEFA, I was talking with uh, the Microsoft guys in, in, at the time we were looking at some Xbox collaboration. You were saying, you know, guys, you know, we have the data. We, we have a lot of the assets. Can we do that now? At the time pr- processing power, technology was already for that. I think in the next five years, it's a no brainer we can do that. So now you're starting to blend, you know, my home experience with the live game and with in the end, the digital one so that they are one together. I think that's something that any exploration in that line could be a, could be quite tempting. Then if I look on the more pure OTT space, digital space, uh, some people are saying, you know, there's a large number of players coming in the market. So, you know, there will be a consolidation uh, that has to happen. Yeah. It could go that way or it could go actually a completely different way. Uh, If really people are making compelling, differentiated experiences. Just like today, I'm okay to pay Spotify or Apple Music and then to have Apple TV or a Netflix account and a Disney one for my kids. I don't see why I would stop getting the best from wherever I can go. So yes, consolidation on the supplier side, maybe. Consolidation at the platform level, I'm not convinced. And you know, the movements of the Facebooks, of the Amazon into sport, I've lived them very closely in my past experience. They didn't end up pretty well. Uh, I think that they are very much different business models and how they are running their business is not so compatible with how sport is geared right now. So I think we're here for the long run. For me, having multiple platforms and everyone fighting for the best experience to keep their users. And I think that's a real benefit for the fan. Mm-hmm.
0: That's a great take. I-, I guess one last thing would be, um, a lot of the listeners that are kind of subscribed to this and just within my network are always trying to, you know, get an edge or step up in their career, or potentially they're trying to break in um, into the sports industry, or maybe they've been furloughed. So, what what would be your advice to somebody that's looking to kind of advance themselves into sports? What kind of advice? It could be just general networking or career advice, but what would you give um, someone in that yeah, situation? Yeah,
1: that's one that comes to my mind is I think that usually you know, when you're looking for a sport, a, a job in the sport industry, let's put it that way, you tend to want to, you want to bring forward how passionate you are about the sport. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a crucial mistake. You need to be passionate. Obviously the reality is that the sport is heavily professionalized now. So what you want to bring forward is your professional skills. Mm-hmm. And I think th- this is a mistake I saw many, many times recruiting lots of people myself, you know, you would never hire someone because he knows all the facts uh, about a specific team. And so you want to make sure you get a professional because now you're talking about big money in the end. Mm-hmm. So, you know, make sure you put the focus and the attention on, uh, on where, where it matters for the sports industry. And don't tell yourself a wrong story about that. That, that would be my career advice for now.
0: I like that. Yeah, this is the sports biz pod. So, you know, you have to be obsessed about the business just as much as the sports side of it as well. So exactly. Um, I, I like that advice a lot. But Gilles, it was great talking to you. I hope you continue to stay safe and healthy. Um, anyone you listening too. to go, you know, find Gilles Moss. I'll uh, tag his LinkedIn in the bottom of this post. And um, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you very much, Nick. Thank you to everyone for listening to, to myself and good luck and stay safe.